2005, I got an invite for Gmail. It was in beta, really hard to get, and I got it from my mom. Then I set up an email address of coolethan at gmail.com, regretted it instantly, and felt like an idiot. But there's two things that still stuck with me. The first is the exclusivity. It was really hard to get it, and that made me crave it. And the second thing, which I learned much later, was that it wasn't manufactured. When Gmail launched in 2004, they were running it on old Pentium 3 computers, and they just didn't have enough storage space to scale it. So while you're trying to remember what a Pentium 3 is, I'm Aton Buckman, you're listening to Marketers and Capes with GCMO, Israel's community of awesome marketing executives, and today we're talking how acquisition comes second, why an incredible exclusivity marketing strategy had nothing to do with marketing, and how marketers need to look beyond their nine yards. Let's dive in. So to introduce myself and what I do at Superhuman, my name is Gaurav Vora, and I'm the head of growth at Superhuman. I'm part of the founding team here at Superhuman, and I've been with the company since the very beginning. Superhuman is basically a SaaS tool that makes you incredibly effective at email. But looking at Guire's role, the first thing you'll notice is that it is not a typical job. The definition of growth at Superhuman and what I focus on is what does the company need next in order to grow? In my role, I've worked across and straddled product and engineering, customer support, which we call customer delight, customer onboarding, marketing, as well as analytics. Strange, right? I agree. My role indeed is quite atypical, but I do see all of those functions as extremely intertwined. It really comes back to the customer funnel. There's intertwinement between the acquisition process and the onboarding process, and in turn between the onboarding process and the support and the product process. And then finally, when it comes to actually reaching more customers, We want to reach customers who are likely, ideally, to be those customers who have a problem and for whom the product could be relevant. And so again, your marketing is extremely linked to your acquisition. And so I realize I've just described a growth funnel here, but every single step of that growth funnel is linked to the next step and to the step before it. The grand connectedness of everything is interesting. It's also one of the things that Bill Machiaitis, the marketing guru at Slack, Zendesk, and Salesforce, pushed and it deserves more attention. But first, let's talk about Superhuman's launch. It worked, like gangbusters. But for Superhuman, exclusivity was almost an unintended byproduct. We never really thought about Superhuman's growth or go-to-market specifically as a launch, like other companies often do. And what we very early saw was other companies that launch do so because other companies recommend that that's the right thing to do, not because it is the best thing for the business. Is a launch for a startup that barely has a product or an experience necessarily a good thing from first principles? Sometimes it is, if what you need is more customers to talk to and you're having a hard time finding those customers. But many times it's not the right thing to do. And for us, it definitely wasn't necessarily the right thing to do. Specifically, the advice that we got early on was optimize the growth funnel and start at the very bottom. There's two reasons for this. When you start at the bottom of your funnel, the experiment cycle is much, much faster than if you're making tweaks to the top of your funnel. As an example, if you change the way you activate a customer, 
you might learn within a day or two if that change was successful. Whereas if you change the way that you market content to your customers, it might be a few weeks before you even see that customer using your product. And so your learning cycle goes from a few days with one shift to a few weeks with the other shift. Number two, revenue. It's also the right thing to do because that is where your business is going to potentially be making or losing money. If you have a leaky funnel at the bottom of your company, no matter how much you pour into the top of that funnel, you're going to continue to have that leak at the bottom of the funnel until you fix it. And so we didn't really think about a launch or acquiring too many customers until we really had a solid funnel at the very bottom. But as I know from crappy birthday parties at bowling alleys, if only five people show up, whatever it is, it's still a crappy party. So at some point, the superhuman gang needed to drive some more top of funnel traffic. So we did a little bit of launching, albeit in a very stealthy and kind of closed system sort of way. Two events that come to mind from early on in in Superhuman. One was when Mailbox, which was acquired by Dropbox, was formerly sunset by Dropbox. Uh, We actually launched our website, and it's still the same website that you can visit today, superhuman.com. And that garnered of the order of about 10,000 signups or so. That was enough of a launch. Pay attention. Marketers at companies tend to forget that they exist within a broader ecosystem of news competitors and customer needs. Figuring out where you can converge with those instead of forcibly inserting yourself makes all the difference. So when they tapped out on those 10,000 signups... And that's when we launched on Product Hunt Upcoming. And again, this was not even a proper launch. This was more like announcing that Superhuman was a thing that eventually would be coming to customers. Uh, And that garnered us of the order of 50,000 signups. Again, it was enough for us to be able to reach customers and continue to prove or disprove, are we able to retain those customers and keep them happy? So I would say that launching, at least for us, was about 5% of the work. 95% of the work was the funnel optimization work. Again, from first principles, you know, the right thing for Superhuman to do is to benefit the customer. Uh, all we want is to bring delightful experiences to customers. This is big deep into the company. When their founder, Rahul, got started, 25% of the funds he raised went into product design and the domain name. So they care about the experience and the look, and mostly about the customer. But as Guarev says, Exclusivity isn't necessarily part of that. Uh, Really, all that we cared about was we didn't want to acquire customers faster than our product could support and delight them. But we realized early on that our bottleneck was, in fact, that ability to retain and the ability to respond rapidly to customer feedback and to fix bugs that were being reported and to ship features at a rate that matched user expectations. So we focused in on exactly that for nearly a full 24 months, just fixing bugs, responding to customer feedback and shipping features at the required rate. And we did that at the expense of all other activity. This exclusivity thing, even if unintentional, did work. Notably, at that time, and this was when the team was around 5 to 10 people, we didn't have enough bandwidth to respond to our top-of-funnel customer interest. Folks were signing up on our website, they were signing up on Product Hunt, but we just didn't have the bandwidth to even respond to those signups. So the best we could do at the time was say, thanks, we're invite-only for now, please get a referral. And of course, this helps them clean up on the marketing side as well. Now, from a marketing standpoint, there are benefits to that perceived exclusivity. 
the wait lists that we have of over 275,000 people is very real. And it certainly helps that our product is very high quality. All of those components lean towards a vibe of early access and exclusivity. But the first principles reasons at the end of the day are 100% to do with giving customers the best experience that we can imagine. And even when your number comes up, you just get a five-minute form. I, for one, was rejected after that. Because Superhuman is more picky about their customers than their customers will ever be of them. Uh, We do actually have way more friction in our acquisition process than most companies. But what that achieves is it helps us only reach customers who are extremely motivated to be onboarded, to learn the product, and to be successful. And when you consider the billion people who use email, those customers who make it through our funnel are typically the ones who have the biggest email problem and are the ones who we want to be talking to first of all the people we could be talking to. Let's get back to marketing, though. Word of mouth and product hunt are good. But even when a channel works, you'll need to diversify eventually. I would say that referral and word of mouth is just one of many channels that we're using to acquire new customers. We also lean heavily on thought leadership and content in order to reach new audiences. And press and PR is another source of growth for us. And that's just the beginning. We think about good marketing channels and our strategy for marketing uh, as follows. Any given channel should last around 18 months at the very least, and maybe longer if you're lucky and you're able to optimize and improve that channel. And word of mouth is exactly a channel like that. If your product and experience is really good and can generate those positive referrals, word of mouth can literally sustain your business for about 18 months. After that time, you either need to continue to receive that word of mouth, but more likely you're going to want to have one or two more growth channels spun up and continually being optimized by your growth team. At any point in time, you should have two, but ideally three or four growth channels simultaneously fueling your business, one of which may be growth through word of mouth or virality. So I was recently rereading Competing Against Luck by Clay Christensen, who recently passed away. And I came across this concept of a big hire when a user chooses your product, and the small hire when they actually use it. What I love about Superhuman is that they are just so focused on the small hire, making sure that the product just does exactly what it's supposed to do when they want to do it, that the big hire just happens. And with that, my name is Aitan Buckman. You've been tuning in to Marketers and Capes with GCMO. And before I forget, the folks at Superhuman have some amazing articles on their strategies that I'll leave in the show notes on my website. If you enjoy this, leave a review on iTunes so other people can. And if in the review you don't call me cool, Ethan... I'm okay with that.